Greetings! Welcome to today's episode of the German New Medicine Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Melissa Sell, and I am joined today by my partner, Dr. Stephen Robinstock. Hello. And our topic for today is the inconvenience of outliers and why nothing happens to everyone. I've been thinking about this topic really ever since I discovered German New Medicine and have been studying it because it's the only approach, the only health paradigm that really takes into account the true individuality of an individual and how unique every single person's perspective is. And especially when you compare it to what people are used to in medicine, it's all statistics. It's a certain percentage of people that do this kind of thing get this kind of result. And then these kind of people, you know, a certain percentage of people do this treatment and they get, you know, a certain type of result. But the thing is, is nothing happens for everyone. Nothing works for everyone, so it seems. And so we're constantly testing all of these different medications, all of these different treatment plans, all of these different nutritional supplements and regimens and interventions to see, okay, what is going to work for the vast majority of people? And it's super interesting to be in, as I am, a lot of these um, nutritional kind of holistic natural-based Facebook groups where people are like, what do you do for this thing? And then everyone comes out of the woodwork with all of the things that worked for them or worked for their friend. And the people end up having to do lists of just inconceivable numbers of treatments and supplements because what they're hoping is that between one of these things, the statistic, they'll lie in the statistic of people that is healed that reverses, cures their illness because they used a certain thing. And when you are trying pretty much everything, because when you are sick, you you do want to try everything. You want to see things that do have a good uh, statistic. You want them to be have worked for someone else at some point. But the, at the end of the day, you've got to realize that it didn't work for everyone. And if you have the idea in your mind that it didn't work for everyone, or you might not be the person it works for, you aren't taking into account your perception, your interpretation of whatever that modality is. It's like the placebo effect or the nocebo effect and how what you think about what you're doing matters so much and how German New Medicine is the only health paradigm. It is the only, it's a natural science that describes completely why nothing works for everyone and why some treatments work for some people and don't work for other people. And I think exploring this topic is a really interesting thing because it gets you to understand how unique your perspective is and how truly that's the root of everything. I think too, like experience is so easy to overlook. And I mean, that, that to me is, is probably a big part of why it's not talked about more often because it's not measurable. I mean, we don't know what you're thinking. I mean, you know what I'm saying? People very often don't even know what they're thinking. You know, and then you have these issues with reliable reporting, even with something like behavior. Did you do the exercise? Did you take the pill? Did you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. And, and people, you know, there's the question of a person's ability to relay that information, uh, will, or, you know, accurately. And then you never know if, if that person is, is maybe lying to you or lying to themselves. and You know what I mean? So there's all these different motivations that can kind of confound that. And so imagine if you take something, and that's with something like a behavior, right? Something that's easily measurable relatively. Like, you know, did you eat this food? Did you not eat this food? Did you take this pill? Did you not? When you add into that the kind of unseen elements of 
of I mean, a thought life, of perception life, and of experience. I mean, these are things that I you know work with people in some cases for months and years to to really get to the point of beginning to tap into one's potential for awareness in those areas. I mean, you can create incredible increases in in your awareness of what's going on inside your mind and your you know what your experience is like, what it's like to be you, your perception. You can create huge increases in that awareness very quickly. But the point at which you begin to reach your potential for awareness in those areas. I mean, it takes years to reach that, years of very kind of concerted and dedicated effort. And so when it comes to saying like, okay, well, you know, if the an individual's experience is an important part in, in their symptomatology or in their disease process or whatever, um, medicine has really not looked at that at all. And it's not difficult to understand why, because we don't at this moment have the technology really for accurately assessing that. I mean... I know like one of the closest things that Sam Harris talked about relatively recently was I think I think he did a study, it was like an fMRI study where they looked at changes in in blood flow to the brain when a person was exposed to things they believed versus things that they didn't. Um, and it was basically what does it look like on an fMRI for a person to be basically coming into contact with disbelief, you know, mm. or with something a proposition that's not true to them. And the interesting thing was that a lot of it was like it was like uh, it was pre-rational, so it was like an emotional disgust response, like the, the response to not believing something um, was very similar or looked very similar or shared some characteristics to the response of, of sort of being disgusted or revolted by something you put off. But that, that's a very gross assessment. You see what I'm saying? Like you find out that a person believes that Republicans are good or Democrats are bad or the other way around. And then you confront them with the opposite question. And you look at what the, what changes in their, you know, we're talking about very kind of, um, general and gross things there versus like, Oh, what happened to you 17 years ago when you were hooked up to an fMRI machine and you found out that your spouse was cheating on you or that your child was in danger of dying or you know what I mean? And trying to get into the nuances of those things is, I mean, an impossibly diff- difficult task. And so medicine likes to measure stuff, you know, and, it, and, and therefore I think it, and I think really medicine is just sort of an extension of human beings in general. We like to measure things and therefore we tend to like to, we tend to like things that are very measurable. Um, and, and just kind of recognizing that bias, I guess. Just This is why emotion, this is why experience, this is why all those, we almost kind of resent those things somewhat is because it's not easy to, to measure them at this point in time. And, and therefore, we don't really want to even acknowledge them. We'd rather, you know, how much money do I have? I mean, how many, you know, whatever. Um, that's, that's easier. And I think that like just waking up to that and recognizing that, because there's something powerfully implicit about that, the fact that we never talk about our experience or our feelings or our perception, and we never really discuss those things as relevant to our physical health. And in fact, sometimes we think people have a, quote, mental illness, right, where they think there's things wrong with their body and there's not. And that, that just kind of implies, the whole hypochondria thing kind of implies this idea that, you know, what's going on in your head is less important than what's going on in your body. And what I mean by that is what's going on in your mind and that what's going on in your mind is only important in as much as it influences kind of like your behavior. But there's, there's no direct kind of somatic link between your mind, your experience, what it's like to be you, your perception, and your body's response to that. And it's kind of interesting that medicine is capable of, 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 it's capable of imagining a situation in which a person's basic genetic makeup is such that their body does things that lead to the death of the organism. But it seems like a stretch, or it seems silly, or it seems esoteric in some way to say that it's possible for the psyche, which is ultimately an outgrowth of the nervous system, which is ultimately a part of the physical organism, 
could do things or perceive things or relay information or distort or perceive information in a way that then the body would respond to that in a way that would manifest as kind of what we call diseases. But it's not that hard. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. It's a, I think it's one of those boxes that hasn't been opened because they don't want to open it because, well, what the hell are we going to do then? You know what I mean? <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, the system that has come out of assuming things the way things have been assumed, it's super easy and it's super profitable. I mean, if you look at the the statistics of people who have illnesses, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of sick people. There's a lot of people who are dealing with so many different symptoms and who has the time Mm. to sit down and teach them, oh, you know, your experience is the reason that you have digestive problems and skin problems and all of these different problems it's because you've been perceiving things in your environment no one ever sat you down and taught you how your mind processes the you know the events of your life and that that's communicating something to a deep ancient part of your body i mean there is not time in the system and so the you know system as as it is it's okay come in give me your symptoms oh i've got a script for that Mm -hmm. you know and it's so it's highly profitable it's easy it's fast and now people can even go through the drive-through at Mm -hmm. cvs and get their medication have it delivered to them you know get discounts on their groceries if you get your you know your pills here and so but it doesn't get to the core of the problem and so then you've got people who are dealing with the you know complex emotions of their life experiences and they're dealing with the consequences the physical manifestations due to the five biological laws to whatever state of conflict or healing that they're in and you know now we have a healthcare crisis where there's a lot of sick people even the even the people that are on their medications are sick and dying of things like heart disease and cancer we're at that point where it clearly isn't working, but there is no mass, easy to implement mass way to kind of turn this ship around. I think it's really interesting too. I had a few interactions this past week um, just through my Facebook and email, just getting out into you know the world of Germany medicine and connecting with other people who practice. It's actually illegal to practice it in Austria. There was a, a woman I was speaking with that you know if they find out that you're using it, you go to jail. <laughs> you know, Dr. Hammer had to leave um, Austria and ended up living out the rest of his days in Norway because, you know, they took his medical license away. This form of looking at the body, it's not very welcomed in the community. You can see that there are places where they don't want it practiced at all because, you know, it may be a threat to this kind of huge, huge system of pharmaceuticals and medical doctors. And, but that's where we're all about individual power, you know, and giving the power back to the individual. And that's what German New Medicine really is all about. It makes you realize that it's all in your control. It's always been in your control. um, And you're the only one who can do anything about it. Nobody can fix your problems for you. All healing is self-healing. All healing is you finding the state of peace and inner well-being so that your body can do what it needs to do to heal and repair your tissues. Well, it's sort of, I mean, it's sort of subversive. You know what I'm saying? Aside from any kind of cynical stuff, it's a, it's a, it's a subversive notion. And I mean, I think if you think about it like during like religious times, it was like basically the most important stuff in the world is not measurable. And then like the enlightenment and you know rationalism and all this stuff, the most important things in the world are measurable and all the things that we know are. And, and so and, and you, when you swing hard in that direction... Then it's like, well, personal experience, that's not quite an unseen God, but it's somewhat uncomfortably nebulous. It's similar, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's sort of in between those two things. And it's like, well, there's pressure not to go back in that direction. And it seems to me philosophically that the issue is, and the reason that like 
this this is so kind of mind blowing to people is that we live in a world of, of psyches and bodies. You know what I'm saying? We have psyches and we have bodies, and there's you know relationship between those two things. But let's just talk about psyches and bodies. And it's like we experience ourselves as being psyches, and we experience ourselves as, as having bodies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is, is that we also are bodies, and and so I think because of that, because we experience ourselves as being psyches, we overlook the role that the psyche is playing in the physical world in which we're interacting, you know, mm-hmm. and like the state of what's going on. It almost, it, it's like what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what we're perceiving. It's like it doesn't matter. We think it doesn't matter because so much of the world seems to imply that how we're feeling doesn't matter. But I think the thing to recognize is that like your feelings, I mean, they may not matter to the world beyond your physical organism, but it's not hard to imagine that they would matter to the to to the world of your physical organism, and that like even I mean, it's kind of an accident of wiring that you experience yourself as being what we call I, and that you don't really experience yourself as being your foot. You you, you experience yourself as having a foot. That's just part of the wiring. I mean, but there's a there's a real you don't even identify with being your brain. You know what I'm saying? You identify with this experiential outgrowth or projection of the brain. But when you recognize that this experience of what it's like to be you is being projected by or broadcast by a, a body, a physical body, it's not why why is that happening? You know, and I think the thing is, well, you know, the psyche, the nervous system, the signal detection system, you know, your eyes, your ears, your interpretive faculties, your ability to think into the future or like learn from the past, it, it's it's feeding information. You know what I'm saying? And I think that one of the functions is like the executive function, which is like, oh boy, that stove's hot. Let me let me move away from that. Or man, this building looks like it might fall down. I'm gonna not go in there. But aside from that, I think there are kind of more subtle perceptual things, right, to which, to which the body is responding in a less observable way. And so, like, you know, if you, if you see me, if I see a guy and he looks threatening and I run away, it's like that's the obvious role of the psyche is it's like get, get the organism away from danger. But if, if I see somebody, say, at my work and I think that person's out to get me or I'm intimidated by him or her or threatened by them or I feel like they're invading my territory – it's possible that there would be less gross observable things that, that maybe even the psyche is not aware of. So like maybe the, the other parts of you. And this is the interesting thing, too, is that, you, you know, you have been sort of the whole whole of who you are for a lot longer than you've been the you that you experience yourself to be. The whole idea of consciousness or of, of being self-aware. You know, you were a self a long time before you were aware of being a self, which is interesting, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the interesting thing about self-awareness is that, like, so we have... Our dog is in the room with us right now, and there's some, you know, question about whether and to what extent a dog is self-aware. I mean, you know, it obviously sees you and it's responding to you, but is it aware of itself in the room? Like, I'm aware of myself now talking about my dog, (laughs) you know, uh, and it's it's some question about whether or not he's aware of himself laying on the floor going to sleep listening to me talk right now. Um, And yet he is a self. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He, he is a self. And so you, you're a self before you become aware of that fact. And so there was a you that you were a long time before you became aware of, of, of the fact that you are the you that you are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think recognizing that there are these communication channels that have been laid down for a really, really, really long time. Um, it's, it, it almost is not even right to say that your, that your body is responding to messages that you're sending it. It's, it, it's one aspect of you responding to information that another aspect of you is, is, is sending. But... We're, we're so over-identified with one aspect of who we are, which mm-hmm. is that sensation that we call I, that we overlook the rest of it. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that, once you, and we keep coming back to this, I think like in every podcast, we've, in, I anyway, have really emphasized that. But I think it's so important because 
it makes this whole thing make sense. It makes it make intuitive sense. It makes it sort of go from being something that's sort of wacky, but it's interesting. So let me let me go believe this instead of all the other things that I believed for you know no reason in particular in the past, just because I'd heard them, to becoming something that actually really makes a lot of sense to you. And you get it, and you kind of remember who you are, and you say, oh, oh that's important. And then, and then once you begin to see that, it's like, it just makes a lot of sense that your experience would matter because, you know, why would you be having an experience if it didn't matter, right? If your body wasn't responding to it, why would you even have the capacity to feel that? And it's funny because I was talking to someone this morning about, and they were saying, oh, well, what about, I forget what it was, you know, this kind of protein or what about this hormonal imbalance or, oh, I found out I'm allergic to this or I'm deficient in this and da 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 and all this different stuff. And it's like, you know, you're, you're wading into like, you know, really kind of perilous ground there because you can't get away from, so there's the fact of the matter which is, I don't know, pick your supplement, pick your treatment plan, whatever. You have a certain number of people who have a certain number of a process going on that looks about the same. We're going to call it cancer or we're going to call it, you know, uh, immune deficiency or immune disorder or whatever. We're going to call it something. They've got, everyone has these physical symptoms and they look similar enough for us to say, yeah, it's the same thing going on across these 100 people. Um, and you do a thing to them, you know what I'm saying? You Or you take something away, you add something into the physical ecology of their body. So you give them a vitamin, you give them some kind of chemical, you give them some kind of a medication, something like that goes on. Maybe you give them exercise, who knows? It's impossible to really differentiate or to totally dissect what that person's thoughts are about the thing that's being done. And that's kind of the placebo stuff, right? But then there's also their thoughts about everything. Yeah. And that's the thing that no one really, you know, talks about. Well, we're going to give you a placebo so that you don't say, oh, I'm going to get better because because oh, that would be cheating, right, if you just use your mind to get better. That's another really interesting thing, too. The whole notion of the placebo is this idea because you believe it's going to work. That's strange. You have the power to make a medication work because you believe in it. Well, what else do you have the power to make happen if you believe in it? Are you sure it's not because you go into that state of healing because you say, oh, okay, here we are, I'm safe. And it's kind of a trigger to do that. But you, it's impossible to, if you decide you've got an allergy to something or you'll always have an allergy, that that conclusion is an important element of your experience. That that concept, do you know what I'm saying? When you start like you start tying all these knots with these concepts and you start anchoring your experience to these different conceptual understandings of past experiences, that, that those, those conceptual knots that you tie, they influence the experiences that you have moving forward. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to overlook how important that is. And yeah. the thing is, what are the chances that your experience and my experience and everyone who's listening's experience or conceptual understanding of what's going on in a given area of their life is going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And it, it was well, not, you know what I'm saying? And they're, t- I mean, just like one change in meaning assignment or in sorting strategies, it's all stuff that we teach in our Ever Better Life course, but like all of these, basically my whole work with people is in shifting experience. And the whole GNM concept is that experience determines really kind of what your body's doing, right? And perception and like, do you experience yourself as safe or not safe or on the defensive or needing to attack or whatever? And your body's responding to whatever your experience is telling it it needs to get ready for. Um, If there's one thing that's different about your experience than mine that's relevant to whatever it is we're measuring or whatever intervention we're applying, well, then the, you know, the organismic ecology into which that thing's being introduced is different. Mm. But we won't ever know that because we don't have an experiential measurement device. And so we'll say, well, you know, it worked for seven out of ten people, but the other three, uh, who knows, you know, they have a particularly aggressive form of whatever. <laughs> well, that's bullshit, of course. That's just a that's just a way of explaining, right, something that we is inconvenient, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And uh, this is a very interesting thing. That's very interesting to me, and it... And I think it subtly just undermines all confidence that you had in what you thought you knew when somebody does what you think is the right thing and then they end up with a disease. It's like, it's so profoundly just kind of like, 
well, shit, I thought that I was doing the right thing. And this is like the the examples that people give all the time that just like, gosh, I thought that so-and-so was perfectly healthy. They seem so, I mean, they're way healthier than me. They eat healthier, they exercise, and then they got, boom, hit with a, a, a cancer diagnosis. Perfect, seemed perfectly healthy, died, dropped dead of a heart attack. And then other people who seem like they have a terrible lifestyle never get sick and how like that just kind of shakes you to your core because you're like I you have this kind of existential angst of like I don't know what if what I'm doing is right if it's wrong and matters at all if it matters at all and there's this like fear I remember uh within the chiropractic organization that we were a part of for many years you know this prominent chiropractor who's like totally healthy and everybody you know he was a role model for all of these people and it was when he got diagnosed with cancer it was just like within mm. the community was like oh my, how could this happen how could this happen to him because once you figure out like oh this is my plan this is how i stay healthy no you know like i know how mm. to get and stay healthy is that that's your entire career and all of a sudden you have a diagnosis that you just cannot explain it's like well you know it's it's kind of scary because then it's this underlying feeling of i really don't know i thought i had it figured out same thing people in the natural health community a lot of people have pretty much decided that vaccinations cause autism and you know they cite all kinds of you know people and situations that you know this absolutely 100% caused this child's autism but when a person does not vaccinate and they develop autism that once again that's a very i mean that shakes your fundamental paradigm your view of the world like i didn't think kids that weren't vaccinated could develop autism how is this even possible and that's where German New Medicine is literally the only perspective, the only paradigm that makes any sense at all, that makes sense out of those, you know, uncomfortable outliers, the ones that defy what you thought was true and right and real about why people get sick. This is what makes it all make sense because everyone has a unique individual perspective and there are series of events that can happen in an individual's life and the way they interpret those events manifest in certain what we call disease processes and they're truly just adaptations to the alarming situation and then the uh, the healing phase afterwards, the restoration of that tissue and it appears in a certain way. And so that's where, you know, a lot of these symptoms, physical symptoms that we get, they're similar, but the root cause of them there are, are along general themes, but there's no two people that are going to respond to things that happen in the exact same way. For the example of autism, which I think is extremely interesting, Dr. Hammer discovered something called constellations. And so if you have a, a type of conflict affecting the cerebral cortex, there can be constellations in different areas of the brain, but most prominently the cerebral cortex certain conflicts if you have one in one hemisphere of the brain and then before that conflict completely resolves and heals you then have another conflict that affects the opposite side of the brain what happens it's called a constellation 
where the person in a, in a sense is frozen in that moment because they're just so overwhelmed, overloaded with these two conflicts going on in opposite sides of the brain that that is what manifests as psychological disorders or schizophrenia, things like bulimia, anorexia, uh, mania, depression, and autism happen because of certain types of conflicts affecting certain halves of the brain. And so that makes perfect sense. There are these traumas, so these you know, layered traumas that occur to a person that they've had a lot of stuff go on in their life. And that's pretty typical for people who have had psychological disorders is they had a lot of trauma, maybe as a child early on in their life. And so this is what allows it to just make sense why someone develops what they develop. It's because of their perception and how they're perceiving their entire universe from the time that they were truly an embryo because Babies in in the womb can have conflicts before they even are out in this world. And so a lot of people, you're like, well, they were just born with this problem. They were just born with this, um, this genetic condition. But we don't even take into account the experience of the baby in the womb because a child can still hear things going on outside. They can still get scared. They can still experience fears and shocks that the mother experienced while she was pregnant. And so it's a huge paradigm shift. It's a huge change in the way we think about people and just kind of an increased sensitivity and empathy. I find that when I think about a person and all that they've been through, when I you know walk through places where there's lots of people, I just kind of look at them and I'm like, wow, like that person has had so many experiences and so many things that have happened and then probably so many health symptoms that they just don't understand because they're, they don't know the connection between their perception, the stuff that happens to them, the meanings they assign, how they, you know, have built their worldview and how that is affecting what it's like to be them on a moment to moment basis. And that's what is so beautiful about GNM, about this work, about working with people, about exposing people to this, because it once again, it makes you the measure of all things. It really, it's your world. It's your world and how you experience it is absolutely everything. So remember, you are the measure of all things. Your unique experience of the world is what matters most to your individual biology. And so the more you learn about yourself, the more you learn about how it is you are perceiving the world and how can you make a shift. You know, if you always experience yourself as being attacked because you were attacked a lot early on in life, you know, maybe verbally by your parents, by siblings, you know, we, we set up these patterns and these expectations we have about how things are, how people are, how the world is, and that perception rules your entire life. But the thing is, is that perception is malleable. Once you become conscious and aware of this process and you start to see, oh gosh, wow, you know, I have been devaluing myself. And every time I get into, you know, this situation or when someone says something to me, I tend to beat up on myself, feel guilty, feel bad. And I also have chronic pain. And so you start making, you start drawing these connections between your perceptions, what's happening in your body, and then you start to shift them because that's truly, that's the only cure, that's the only fix is to change the way you're perceiving things so that your body stops getting the message of danger and starts getting the message of safety. And so that's what we have been doing in the Germany Medicine Self-Healing Support Group on Facebook, which is growing by the day and everyone really enjoys we put a lot of great content in that group as well as my YouTube channel. We do personal coaching. We, we help people to see 
how they're seeing the world and make the changes that are necessary so that their body can heal, so that they can adopt the mindset of healing. So if you're interested in any of those services, please connect with us. Thank you so very much for listening. If you have any suggestions for topics, if you have any questions, please make sure to contact us and have a great rest of your day. Oh,